we don't tout ourselves as like the educational podcast. We're not here to do that. We're here to, there is a little bit of education, but it's mostly just, let's have a laugh. And the questions get a bit sillier as we go towards the end. So that's kind of the point. Um, I was, I don't know. I've not sent you the ortho one, have I, Jamie? I've not edited it. But no, no, I haven't actually listened to that one. Yeah, uh, it's not, it's not released yet, but they, they were quite good actually. Ortho yeah. were like, the last question they were like, would buy them all, you know what I mean? We're all, you know, <laughs> out with our massive there, there, there's a shocker. Yeah, there's a shocker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hammer. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can't argue with that. Twice as strong as oxes and half as smart. So <laughs> full of brawn, you know what I mean? <laughs> Boom. We went, and the reason I chose them is I went to school with them. Like, um, like I went to a really, really like shit state school in, in North Manchester and like, we three are the only ones who sort of made it out and a couple of others who are like, you know, whatever degrees. But it, it's yeah. funny because we're both in like massive scallies and then it just so happens that they're, they're, they're both orthopods now, so, and in Northwest. Hello and welcome. My name is Assad. My name is Jamie. We're two surgical trainees in the north of England and this is the podcast that aims to dissect, to probe, to anatomize and analyze what it is to be a surgical trainee welcome to it's always sunny in surgery So today we are continuing on with our specialty series, um, talking about general surgery. Um, and we've got two, uh, general surgery, uh, trainees here, uh, Caitlin and Adib. Uh, Caitlin, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, coming toward the end of my ST4 training in Merseyside at the moment. Um, I'm originally from Bristol and did all my pre-reg training down in Bristol before moving up to Mersey. So I'm still finding my feet in the deanery a little bit, whereas I think Adib's old hat here. Yeah, so my name's Adib. Um, just coming up to halfway through SD5. I uh, spent three and a half years out of programme doing a PhD, which I came to the end of in August last year. So I've just come back into programming. Um, I've been in the Mersey region probably since Merseyside was first invented. Um, it feels certainly feels like that, uh, but yeah, I wow. did my F one, F two, all the way up to current training. Did you grow up on Brookie? I'm, I'm, I'm from Bradford, mate. I'm from Bradford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you, it cuts out. Brown people are only from one or three places: Bradford, Manchester, or Birmingham. Nowhere else. <laughs> and then we migrate. <laughs> and there's our Royal College funding gone. <laughs> hey, you, you've got the diversity vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what more diverse stuff do you want here? You're ticking all the boxes. <laughs> you've got a token female. Good for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You've got a token um, immigrant. So. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're here to talk about general surgery. I've just got an ST3 number. Congratulations, Jamie. In Mersey? Uh, no, it's seven. Seven. That was, um, so I'm moving back down south. Yeah. Um, well done. part of the world, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm hoping this episode will be very positive overall 
given the fact that I've just signed up to six years of, of this specialty. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, let's start off. What is the best thing about general surgery? Getting to operate, surely. That's the best thing about it. Yeah, I, I think so. The, the obvious answer is getting to operate. And to be honest with you, the obvious answer is the right answer. It's it's one of the few specialties where you incorporate both. I've always wanted to be a surgeon ever since before I started university. And I think that really attracted me the most was being able to do and possess a skill set that is very unique. I, I thoroughly enjoy that because we we do something that not many people as a percentage across the world get to do very often someone has cancer being able to take that cancer out and prolong and increase their longevity of life as cheesy as that sounds there there is a good feeling about that if there's a problem with perforated bowel you are relying on medication to some degree you're relying on other specialties but really you're relying on your own skill set your own hands your own physical practice that you're doing and I, that that's really the bit that really attracted me the most so Jamie knows this about me and I think indeed probably you know as well but I've had quite a convoluted route to general surgery and uh and actually all the way through med school was set on being a psychiatrist my first love was orthopedics as I'll talk about later no doubt (laughs) but I ended up changing from orthopedic theme to general surgery theme um and and although obviously you're operating in both, part of it was down to where you get to do your decision making. So orthopedics has a lot of decision making pre-theatre. There's less decision making in theatre um, because you have to pre-plan it so carefully. Whereas part of the thing I love about general surgery, especially emergency general surgery, is opening someone up and not being quite sure what you're going to find inside and not knowing how much of a mess you're going to find. Is it even going to be salvageable? Are you going to give them a stoma? Are you just going to have to open, apologize and close again and have the anaesthetist swear at you? Like, you're not quite sure what you're going to find until you're really in there. So, yeah, I actually changed from orthopedic to general surgery because I bloody love a laparotomy. It's interesting you picked up on that. Uh, I knew We both knew um, a registrar at, um, down in Southport who hated that part of general surgery. He hated the fact that when he was opening an abdomen, he didn't know what he was going to find. Um, and I think that is a particular thing to general surgery as opposed to other surgical specialties is that sometimes you do have to improvise and sort of adapt to, to yeah. what you find. Um, and that's not to say yeah. you don't get to improvise in orthopedics. The only bit of orthopedics that I really, really loved was limb reconstruction. And that you are making up on the fly because there is no rule book for that. You have to literally make things up when you're doing derotation osteotomies and you know, putting nails down on people who've had chronic osteomyelitis. And it's great fun, but I didn't want to choose a specialty where only one element of it excited me, whereas in general surgery, pretty much all of it, apart from breath. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't agree with that more. I say, it does sound like sometimes you do get some sort of visceral excitement, pun intended, from a bit of a gunko approach. You know, like hmm. just kick the door in and just see what's what's occurring. Yeah, absolutely. Um you, you, as as you know, you're a vascular trainee. When when you're looking and you're planning for your evas and you're ordering all your stents, you know those stents are custom made. They're gonna gonna only really fit in with a little bit of maneuverability, and they're only gonna fit in certain directions. And I think that's that's great for some people, but like Kevin said, for me personally, I, I love the flexibility of decision making interoperative in how 
actually, there's not just one right answer. There's multiple different answers. And you have to try and weigh out the pros and cons. Very nicely put. Yeah. So in, if that's one of the best things about general surgery, what is the worst thing about general surgery? Surely it's got to be the uh, volvulus at four in the morning and the rigid sig up the bum hole, <laughs> the oncoming tide of, of Poonami like making its way towards the like, <laughs> Quick, 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 open the window, give me the tube, give me the tube, give me the tube, get out of the way, get out of the way. That's Do you know it. what? I kind of love a, a flatus tube rigid sig. Jamie's done some with me. We've made a mess of some beds. It's kind of satisfying. Cork out of the bottle. <laughs> Deep shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid you're on your own there, <laughs> But yeah, def- definitely the worst thing. And I and I I realised this when I changed my theme was the fact that I was absolutely ruining my sleeping patterns for the rest of my life by choosing general surgery over orthopaedics. Because when do you ever have to get an orthopod out of bed? A surge, a consultant, a reg maybe for a you know for a fasciotomy yeah. or something like that. But for a consultant to get out of bed in the middle of the night, yeah, that's yeah. definitely the worst thing. You know, it's funny you mentioned. I've had like someone that had an ortho injury that had needed fasciotomies, and the ortho reg called me, and I was like, "What?" He's like, "I'm never going to." Are you taking the piss? Like, what? You want me to go there? Do you... fine, whatever. Come in, and I'll I'll babysit you doing it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> For me, the worst thing about surgery is the onus on research. I completely understand the need for academia. You're improving the outcomes that we have. I don't think it necessarily makes you a better surgeon. And, you know, I've just finished three and a half years out of programme. I enjoyed what I did, actually. And, you know, I've never thought about being academic before. But had I been given the option to not do it, I certainly wouldn't have gone down that route. The only reason I did it was it was a stepping stone for my chosen specialty, which is HPV. I was going to say, yeah, even even without doing a PhD, like, and I don't know how, I don't chat work with my with my uni friends who are also doctors. Like, we've all got gone in completely different directions. As a microbiologist, an anaesthetist, a geriatrician, and an ED, nearly consultant in in Australia. And um, we, it doesn't feel like they have the same kind of onus on them to do stuff. So, like, I've ended up doing this project that is interesting for real world application, but it's in a subject that doesn't thrill me. And I just had to pay like six hundred pounds for the privilege of presenting it. You know, it's a big conference, but I've got to fly there. I've had to swap shifts around. I've got to pay for hotels and flights and pay for my printed for my poster to be printed and all this kind of stuff. Just for the opportunity to maybe get a prize. I agree with you. I think you've got urology guys just knocking out their FRCS and walking into a CCT post like this, yeah. CCT job, uh, waiting for them. Like maybe a master's if they feel like it, but it's not necessary. Just do your exam, yeah. and do your job. I think general surgery is really the only one where it's become an unwritten mandatory rule. Uh, neurosurgery as well. But if you look at the specialties, orthopaedics, yeah, if you want to do it, you can do it. There's no, you don't need it to become a consultant. If you want to do any sort of resectional general surgery, then yeah, it's pretty much a high degree or bust. And again, I don't know if that's because we deal with a lot of cancer, because we deal with a lot of abdominal cancers, that there is a focus on tumor biology and trying to improve that, but our understanding of that for more sort of personalized medicine. But I don't think it's for everyone. And I think if you are interested in it, 
then that, that's great. And there certainly is opportunities, but I don't think it should detract away from people who don't want to do it or and it should impair you if you're going for a clinical job. One of the other things so, that I find um, sort of frustrating about general surgery, apart from the research and, um, and the feces, uh, <laughs> is the fact that sometimes you're, you're, well, often you're regarded as like the generalist of the, of the of the surgeons, and you get lumped with a lot of non-specific stuff that you have to sort of deal with, um, which other specialties I think don't have so much. You know, I had a, I had a referral the other day where someone with a mass in their chest, no idea what it was, no idea what whether it was a primary from somewhere. Um, I said, "This is all very interesting, but why have you referred to me?" And they said, "Well, we just don't know what it is." and and you're the generous, <laughs> so you take them. Um, and although there's there's a sort of element of pride that you're the one who's who's expect, you know, uh, they they know that you'd be able to handle it. It's also very annoying. And I don't know whether you feel that the same when it comes to especially general surgery on calls. You get lumped with a lot of rubbish, as it were. Yeah, you do. And I made my piece with it a long time ago. Just you know, this is my sixth year of being a registrar. Had no choice. Um, <laughs> But your, your classic scenario, as you're alluding to, is your rip pain. And that mm-hmm. is our bugbear because, let's be honest, less than 1% of rip pains are actually appendicitis, but we have to see everyone. I think it's easy from our point of view because because we're general surgeons, we see we have this notion that, oh, we're the only ones that deal with rubbish. I think every single specialty deals with rubbish. Yeah. If you look at ENT, the amount of vertigos they get referred or the amount of back pains for orthopedics or, you know, the, the limb pains. I think every specialty has their own rubbish element to it. And as surgeons, we also have a bit of a reputation for trying to deflect some rubbish away to other specialties. We're going, oh, surgeons have sent me this, you know, this old person who's fallen over and they're not they've not quite broken anything, but their ribs are bruised. So that should be them because it's ribs, but they're old. So it's us, you know, we all deflect our fair share of, mm-hmm. of shit away. Um, I think every specialty. Yeah. The only thing I'm grateful about with, uh, with A&E referring all the rift pains to us is that um, they don't know situs inversus in it exists. So the lift pains don't necessarily come to us, but if they ever learned about that, we'd get all of them query appendicitis <laughs> on the other side. For the purpose of the podcast, which you can cut out, at the end of the day, there's a patient there. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I'm probably a yeah. bit more of a soft touch because yeah. after a while, if I've tried to bat them back to A and E and they start whinging, I'm like, do you know what? Either way, they need to be in, don't they? Like, you know, somebody who's 97 and and they're, they've got an AKI three and they've fallen over and bumped their head. I don't, whatever. They need fluids. They need to be looked after overnight. We'll just yeah. keep them, in. and so I'll get a bit of a bollocking in the morning sometimes not very often but sometimes i think that's sort of as kevin Hill said that is where it stems from and it stems from your hierarchy so your seniors or your consultants our bosses not be particularly pleased with dealing with pathology that's not necessarily their remit then there's also an ego egotistical side to it as well they don't want to deal with something that isn't really their remit so they deflect it upon us. And then part of it as registrars is we don't want to be seen in a bad light. We don't want to be seen as the registrar that's accepting everyone. We mm. want to be seen as someone who's kept a tight ship. We want to be seen as someone who's, 
you know, keeping the list to an absolute minimum. And that gets ingrained into our sort of mantra from a very early sort of stage in our career that we shouldn't be accepting people that aren't general surgery. Yeah. I think it's a slippery slope and it's a bit tricky. I don't know what the right answer is and how to combat it is. Moving on then, what's what's the biggest misconception about general surgery that people have? That we're all angry ourselves, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a, as a, as a, you know, Jamie, but I have, I can't remember a, a week hasn't gone by where I've not been told, oh, you're a surgical reg, you're far too happy to be a surgeon. You know, everyone's so angry and miserable. And uh, yeah. I think that's that's a very common misconception there. I think it certainly used to be like that, you know, the error of some of our seniors who, who were a little bit angry. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. I think the other biggest misconception is that we're idiots and yeah. we only like to... We're, we're basically the, the, the belly version of orthopaedics. Yeah, that, yeah. Sorry to demean orthopedics, but let's be honest, you're not real doctors. But <laughs> <laughs> but that is a big misconception. And, I, and uh, I think the other misconception, which I disagree with, is that surgeons don't care about the patients. If anything, I think we probably care more about our patients because mm. we get we get measured by our outcomes. So we care more about that more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, you'll so, always find a surgical consultant in the building at like four in the morning, won't you? you always find it. Yeah. In that- the yeah, the they might not be them. on the ward, but they'll be in their office poring over the latest scan, looking mm. at the orbs, looking yeah, at the yeah, yeah. And you go in there trying to take a kip, and you're like, what the bloody hell are you doing in there? Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was going to sleep. Yeah, just... <laughs> we're, we're stupid, we don't care, and we're angry. And I think definitely the angry one has been born out of something true. I've certainly worked with my share of angry surgeons, but I think hopefully that is a breed that is dying out and the humans are coming through who realize that mm. you know everything goes a bit nicer if everyone's nicer to each other um yeah people work, people work harder with you if they're not crying you know yeah, yeah. Something I found actually, because you know especially on calls general surgery can be extremely stressful mm. um and if you go around shouting at everyone all the time it just makes it worse um i think people are starting to realize that mm. uh, I don't know if you found that in vascular acid. Um, yeah, I mean, people say I'm a bit too cuddly to be a vascular surgeon. and But I think maybe I'm, I've been in, in post for a while, but the trend is getting that way. You know, when I started out, it used to be a total sausage fest. And now we're getting um, some very, very... I, it's hard to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound <laughs> like misogynistic, right? but it's not. We're getting some excellent surgeons, but... They're then like happy, well-adjusted, um, like sometimes mothers, sometimes not mothers, just normal human beings that that manage to take these angry consultants and soften them. Like one of my favorite. Cars- I am thoroughly enjoying watching you squirm here. Yeah, so I've got to say, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like how not to upset the apple cart. Um, yeah. <laughs> like we've got a consultant who's who's a bit of a, he's got a hot head and he's got a temper. He's pretty old school. And one of the more senior trainees, she's got a lovely, soft, 
Northern Irish pie. She's like, oh dear, Mr. Whatever, won't you just have a seat there? I'll make you a cup of tea. Have a seat. Have a seat. Sit down there. Uh, why don't you tell old Alison what, uh, what, what, what's the matter? What's the matter? And then he just instantly, like, the anger just dissipates. And she's a great public face for the specialty, if that makes sense. So I think that tide is changing, you know. Um, you know, a lot of my colleagues getting going through getting numbers are less obsessed with um, being a sociopath and the more into, like, you know, memes and Netflix. Um, so I feel like we're getting more rounded, normal human beings in, this, in the world of surgery, which I think yeah. is a good thing. It's only going to be a good thing, isn't it? And probably just in the world of medicine as a whole. Um, yeah. Compared to you know all the all the people who were coming through in the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, we're a bit more kind of regular now. So, what's the one thing you wish you knew before starting general surgery? That not everyone think... is a surgeon. I would say when I started general surgery, well, although it was also themed, I start on started on colorectal for my core training, and I had this like panicked expectation that everyone was going to be like operating at the level of what I actually know Reg's operate at but coming straight from you know some people are coming straight from F2 I'd done an F3 and an F4 and dosed around and gone traveling for four months and had a great time and I was terrified starting core training and actually you realize most people don't have the skills you pick them up on the job so don't panic so much you will get there comes with practice Yes, I, I agree with that completely. Um, surgery still remains a doggy dog world. It's getting it's getting better, but with the territory of a doggy dog world comes effectively swinging your dick around, and you still do see that amongst trainees. Now, I will say it's getting better, but you you soon come to a quick realization that actually we're trainees for a reason because we're still training. I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I remember going to core teaching and I was just like some shy little doing whatever sort of trainee or core, tra- core trainee. And then you hear me like, oh, yeah, I've done this list. I banged out like four gallbladders and I did like this nissens. And, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to train a few abscesses. And then it wasn't until you get to specialty training. And then I spoke to someone who was, he's now a consultant now. And he just sort of said, yeah, don't worry about it. Honestly, don't worry. I couldn't do a hernia repair properly until st4 maybe five yeah. and i couldn't do a lap appendix comfortably until st4 so like whatever you're hearing at core training just ignore it just like discount it altogether absolutely and i think i don't I, I never truly understood why that was a trend i've never personally been like that myself because i don't think that we should be fighting against each other but we should be working together it's not really a, it is competition but it's not really a competition because at the end of the day, we're all going to do different specialties. I think it's the tide's turning because it's starting to become more evident that if you are doing a thousand gallbladders as an SHO, you may have fudged your logbook a little bit. And then when it comes to actually learning as an ST3 and they're going to flag you up on it, you're going to look a bit daft if you suddenly have done a thousand as an SHO and you can't do one as an ST3 when you're being a bit more scrutinised. Yeah, there's actually a, a study that was done out of Bristol, a questionnaire that went out nationally. I don't know if you guys answered it, where they asked you a set of operations where it said, lap appendix, you put the ports in and close the ports. You put the ports in, put the endo loops on. And you were asked how you would record each one in your logbook. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting because myself and another Reg were both in exactly the same situation where we had 
um, we were both ST3s. We both had an appendix that weren't able to complete closed and we wanted to open. And we both called the same consultant that we were on call, you know, two weeks apart, or whatever. And we both had to call the same consultant. And the consultant said, have you ever done this before? And we both said, no. And the consultant said, you're happy to do it anyway. And I said, no, I've not done one of these before. I'd quite like someone to come show me how I'm supposed to do it. And my friend said, no, I'll give it a go. And as he said, uh, fannied around for about an hour, chopped through lots of muscle um, before the consultant eventually came in to help him. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting how different people record things, how different people feel with their own competencies or feel with their own confidence. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Don't be afraid to call for help because it's better for the patient. When, when I first started core training, there was this sort of phrase that was used a lot is that if you've done over 50% of the procedure, then you mm. can put it as STS. But what is 50%? Is that 50% yeah. of the time? 50% yeah. of, you know, the actual steps? And like, you know, you can do 50% of a gallbladder, but unless I think you've got the critical view and done the main bit, that's not STS. But yeah, so I felt the same. I always thought like, if you've not done the bit that makes it that operation and not just burning stuff with a hook, which otherwise the other bits of the gallbladder are, then to me that didn't seem like it. But I actually did get told off my ARCP for under um, evaluating yes. how much I'm doing and saying so I'm doing too much assisting instead of doing things STS if I haven't done. It's just, hard to get it right. Just, Right then, if you could cheat on your specialty with any other specialty, which one would it be? 100% ortho. Get me into that bone <laughs> theatre. Can I just ask, at this point, what made you go from psychiatry to orthopedics? <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. Is it like from, from loads of thinking to absolutely? <laughs> <laughs> what, it was, what it was, was um, the reality of being on a psych inpatient ward when you're a doctor and not a student is very different um and then I was suddenly in like for my next job I was suddenly in this orthopedic theater the jokes were flying like the music was on they were like get involved come whip out this hip we're doing a girdle stuns this old lady's never going to walk again you know and I got to be hands-on and part of this group which I really really loved it doesn't um, sound like the best experience what it was amazing Amazing. It's like she's bed bound and her hips broken and, and and her replacements, you know, gone to shit. So let's just whip it out. Um but honestly, it's just really fun, like reducing ankles and and shoulders and that kind of thing. And I like I did a bit of spinal surgery, which was really fun. Um so yeah, I cheat I cheat on general surgery with ortho once in a while for an early night and for a nice pop when you get a joint back in place. I think it sounds like from psychiatry to author to general, you're just going through the different grades of being a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the ultimate final stage then? What do I need to be completely? Neurosurgery. Neurosurgery. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it would hands down be ENT for yeah. the neck dissections. 
It is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen um, in my life. Yeah, just, just the, neck the sputum, the sputum you'd have to deal with. Ugh. I, I could handle that. Mm-mm. Ripping someone's neck open, I'd be very happy managing I mean, with this. I mean, you can still do the old school general thyroids. Don't have to do the ENT thyroids. Interestingly, I probably cheat on general surgery with AMU. I, I like acute what? medicine. <laughs> yes. Hear me out. All right. How, I, when I did AMU. Time you look at an ECG, Adeeb. <laughs> The reason I, if only there was a psychiatrist around, Caitlin. The reason, <laughs> the reason I like AMU is, if it almost fits in with emergency general surgery, you're only fixing the problem and then you're leaving someone else to deal with the recovery. I like Didn't that bit. Did you just so, say mm. half an hour ago that's a reputation you wish to dispel about <laughs> general surgeons? That once you fix the problem, you're not interested in your patient anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm never going to deny that. I, I hate that bit the physio, the OT, the social aspect. I, I, I stretch up. Hate Adib hates MDT. <laughs> I hate, honestly, yeah, I hate the whole holistic approach. It's overrated. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the, the setup I had was AMU at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, and I, I really love that. They admit patients who are who don't go to a specialty immediately, and they fix the immediate problem. And then after two days, they get shipped off to a specialty, regardless of how fixed they are and what they need. And then you no longer they're, they're no longer your problem. So you'll only ever deal with acute problems and acute things. So you're actually doing stuff rather than tinkering with medication here and there, like increasing the metanide by a milligram and seeing the effect, for example. It's kind of like an extension of A&E rather than four-hour de- four limit, you know, yeah. two days, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that sounds nice. Maybe we could have four that in general limit. surgery. Do you, where... do you remember the four-hour limit, Jamie? Surely that? Uh, yeah, vaguely. That was in tatters by the time you graduated. <laughs> well, I literally watched it die whilst I was a foundation doctor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Welcome to medicine, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Join the NHS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've already sp- touched upon it a bit. Which other specialty do you most admire or respect? Um, not just, you know, one that you necessarily want to do, but in terms of technical skills and prestige, that sort of thing. I would say GP. I think... We surgical specialty, surgical specialty, surgical specialty. Oh, oh, go let him talk. Let him, let him suck up some. Oh, the, the, question, <laughs> the questions in the email said any specialty. I didn't know it's surgical specialty. Later down saying surgical specialty. Oh, did you? Sorry, no, no, I, I, that. I am interested to hear his answer though. I, yeah, no, no, carry on with it. Carry on with it. Actually, run with it. Run with it. So GP um, is effectively jack of all trades, master of none, and. It's easy for us as hospital medics to slag them off. And, you know, we quite frequently do. And there's there's a several-pronged approach here. A a GP who sees a patient has a time limit of less than 10 to 15 minutes per person, per problem, right? They're seeing that patient with no blood results. They're seeing a patient on the face of what they've got there in front of immediately, they do want to do tests, and if they had the ability to do tests, I'm sure a lot of them would. They're then seeing something completely different, 
So they're seeing a sinusitis. They're then going down to seeing an ischemic tilt. They're then going down to see abdominal pain in the next half hour. So they're going through every single specialty. And I appreciate they're not mastering anything, but that's, you know, general practitioner. And they're trying to filter out which patients are sick, which patients are, and they're trying to deal with them without sending them to hospital. And I think as a as a hospital medic, we're skewed by our by what we see as as uh, coming in from the community because we'll see time and time again the same GP sending in the same kind of rubbish referrals. But what we don't see is how much actually GPs are batting away. And I think they're out sort of like the unsung heroes here a little bit. And now my wife's gone to sleep, so she can't hear any of this. I'm definitely not going to let her hear this because she's a GP. And I don't want her to think at all that I respect her. <laughs> In the hospital, what do we do? We don't see people without bloods. We're going to get a scan and then not, we're not going to send them home until we get a scan. Oh, you know, we're going to wait to see what the wild cell count is. We're going to give them a shot of IV antibiotics just to make our cells feel better. We're skewed, like I said, because we're thinking of these GPs, but there are hundreds of thousands of GPs who aren't sending shit in every single day that we don't think about. So, Fair enough. Not quite, not quite a surgical specialty, but yeah. I mean, admire and respect. I don't think anybody needs any more respect or admiration to their ego. I don't think that's necessary in any surgical specialty. I, I admire urology because... They've somehow managed to fob off every single urology condition to other specialties. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to say a similar thing. I was going to say I admire neurosurgeons to be able to say neurobs for 48 hours, give them levetiracetam when yeah. you're treating them with a 28-year-old with an operable condition and they just cynically go, nah, neuro <laughs> Neurobs reach down in seven days. <laughs> it's even got to the point now palonephritis medics um obstructing stone <laughs> ir oh look it was torsion ah, general surgeons mate <laughs> <laughs> could be an appendix down in the screw could be, yeah oh, could be, could be. <laughs> yeah that i admire <laughs> i'm gonna say i don't know other surgical specialty specifically that i would say i truly admire yeah. Mm-hmm. Apart from ENT. Yeah, apart from e- e- ENT. Yeah, because they're living the dream. They're living the dream. <laughs> All right, so which specialty then would you take in a fight based on the stereotypes surrounding that specialty? Um, now, again, again, can we just check with Assad? Is this surgical? Was this surgical specialty? Surgical, surgical yeah, specialty. Yeah, this one's definitely surgical. You, you wouldn't pick a fight with the medics, surely. My God, radiology—they sit in dark rooms. They've all got osteopenia. Just, <laughs> just turn the light on. Just yeah, turn the light, light on, grind them, and then crush their tiny, yeah. crumbly bones. Um, yeah, oh, but that's why surgical specialties. That's why surgical. Yeah, specialties. Mm. So we've all got sharp instruments. We've all got knives. Um, oh, plastics! Because they've already—they've like aesthetic plastics because they've already had their nose done. So they'll really not want you to to touch it. <laughs> 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 who, who would I take on in a fight? Ooh, um, probably neurosurgeons. I'd threaten them with an admission. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
psychological warfare, I see. Psychological warfare. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to send you this 90-year-old with a seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice one. <laughs>